1: home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chat. Okay, three minutes into the second period, Flames and Wild still looking for a goal. In the third, Montreal leading Carolina 3-2, Blue Jackets and Penguins now tied 4-4. Lightning leading the Flyers 4-2. Maple Leafs and Devils in a 2-2 tie. Marner has his 23rd. Panthers up 2-1 on the Golden Knights with about 14 minutes left. So Florida trying to do Edmonton and the other Pacific Division teams a favor there. Late second period, Sabres and Islanders in a 1-1 tie. Cousins has scored again. Got one against the Oilers last night. Now has his 25th of the season. And later... Ducks at Seattle, Blues at Coyotes, Sharks at Avalanche. Curling tonight, it is 8-1 for Team Alberta. Skipped by Cooey, leading Nunavut. That is after seven ends. And the clapping provided by, that's more of a golf clap, wasn't it? Than a curling Sorry, clap? Sorry,
0: the best I can do. <laughs> hey, can I just say I'm in awe and being in here? The chandelier is a little much in the studio, but... yeah. I, I, I don't think I've ever worked out of this room before.
1: Well, this was the room. Bryn Griffiths is here, by the way. I'm sure many of you will know that voice, but just in case you don't. But this was the room that was converted in the summer of 2020 because in, in, for that year, you, nobody could go into the building for the games. Yeah. So Jack and Bob called games in here off the monitor. Right. I was in the traditional Chet Sto- Chalk Studio you're familiar with, and Rob Brown was... Uh, at uh, I think he was actually in BC at the time, so he dialed in remotely. Uh, Can you believe
0: we've got through that? Like w- really, when you how we got through that? Yeah, it's is coming amazing. up on
1: three years since it really started happening. Stunning, eh? but this room. I believe I'm the only talk show host that still uses it because, as you can see, I, I like the positioning of the TVs. So I'm fighting for this tooth and nail to remain a talk. It doesn't need to be turned back into a boardroom. We no. have enough space.
0: No, very nice. Well, thank you. The shag rug could go at any time, but I still. Yeah. I, 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 hey, listen. Whatever it does. I it found some money the sound. there.
1: Anyway, it's great to be with it's you It's great tonight. to see you. Uh, thanks for dropping by. Uh, I, I, if, if for some reason people listening... I mean, well, we have new listeners and new Edmontonians all the time. Bryn would be a... Uh, how, do, how do I best describe you? Longtime Edmonton broadcast personality. Sure. And I uh, somewhat medium-length tenure as the Oilers Media Relations guy. Sure, <laughs> yeah. You summed it up beautifully.
0: I'm from here, so...
1: For me, Lifelong Edmonton. Yeah,
0: I, I mean, I grew up here, to tell you how far back I go, I listened to Halsey uh, as a young kid on a transistor radio that, you know, you would tune in and Brian would be doing the football games from Clark Stadium. I'd be sitting in the knot hole gang at the south end of Clark Stadium with the transistor radio and the little earpiece and everything, and I'd look up at that press box and go, gee willikers, you know, it's just like, you know, you'd see Halsey up there with Henry Singer and a bunch of people like that doing the broadcast, and I always thought it'd be kind of a fun career, and then to think that at some point I'd actually be working alongside him, uh, would be able to call him a friend, uh, I'm told that he he finally he he's just like what what have you done with him? That's the big question. Have you just yeah?
1: You know, he's uh, is he gonna? Is he's he gonna still with over? us. He's he's, he's 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 working a little less, which I think he yeah. deserves. What but does he, but, that he, mean? but he still wants to. He's. I think he can just kind of show up and go on whenever he wants, but he doesn't yep. have to do it every day anymore.
0: Absolutely, and he's earned that right. But anyway, so uh, my life started. I even listened to him. He was the first voice of the Oilers. In the old Edmonton Gardens. The first year, yes. Very first year. And then basically concentrated on hockey. So I I go back to the Edmonton Gardens. I go back to the old Claire Drake Arena and Clark Stadium. So I grew up and I watched sports here as a kid and always thought this might be kind of a fun gig. And it's been a great run for me. What was your
1: neighborhood as a kid?
0: Oh, man, I grew up, uh, I, as a kid through to till grade four, I grew up just w- off White Avenue at 109th Street, right across from the Tipton Arena, when it was out, an outdoor arena, right? Right. I would go to sleep at night and the lights were shining. It was like a, a Charlie Brown TV special, you know, with the lights shining and they were skating around, and I'd hear the thump of the, of the hockey puck against the boards, and that's how I would fall asleep as a kid. Then I shifted and moved with uh, my sister and my parents down further south into a place called Malmo Plains, which uh, w- was a fun place to grow up as well. And, you know, and then I, I went to high school at Harry Ainley Composite High oh, School nice. with a, a guy named, I don't know if you've heard of John Sexsmith or not, but
1: oh, I love uh, John.
0: uh, Johnny and I uh, went to school and played on the same football team together. So I don't know, it's uh, it, it's home for me. It's always been home, but I've moved around. I spent time in Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan. I uh, spent time in Winnipeg and I spent time in Calgary and I, I loved all three locations as well. But this is home.
1: Yeah. Well, it, it's great to have you you in for sure. Um, okay, so Halsey inspired you. Who who else?
0: Well, Halsey, Rod Phillips, obviously is another yeah. one of those guys. There are, I mean, there's there are a lot of. Here's the favorite part for me. By the time I started to work my way in in the mid '90s, you get a chance to work alongside these people a lot. And one of the things that I learned was to just shut up and take a back seat and watch them do their thing and learn from them. You know, like Cam Cole was a great writer for the for the Journal, and uh, you know uh, Terry Jones, uh, Hall of Famer. Uh, Jim Matheson I'm trying to think I know I'm going to be I'm going to I'm going to miss somebody I know but in the broadcasting area Halsey Halsey was the legend and still is and mm-hmm. you, you learn things from those people Brian always taught me one thing he said look he, listen to you listen to me here you you, you got the skill set now you just got to crank up the personality you know that's what you got to do. You listening yeah, to me? Yes. Are you listening to me?
1: It comes so, more naturally for him than most people, uh, I think.
0: Yeah. So, so you know, you take advice from people like that, and you watch. And we've always been a great media market here. Mm-hmm. And uh, right from television people, I mean, it's uh, it was just it was a pleasure. You you do the school thing, and then you really do the school thing when you get out and into the business, and you learn from people like that. So. Uh, I, I got so much time for all those guys.
1: Yeah. Uh, so, so which community was it? One of those other communities that was the first
0: broadcasting job? Well, you know what's weird is that, uh, and my dad told me this. He predicted this in grade 12. I had too <laughs> many. I had too many spares. Okay. Right. He said you, you know, never have too He many. says I, I might even turn into Halsey again when I start. You know, saying that my dad <laughs> gave me a good lecture, and, and he said that that may come back to haunt you because my English mark dropped, and. That was my gateway to getting into Nate into the radio and television arts program. Yeah. And I went back to school during the summer, tried to get it up to a higher level, but the problem was everybody wanted to get into that field. So I had tried for about three years, could not get in. And then uh, somebody said, well, why don't you do do some work for one of the cable TV companies? And back then it was a, ca- a, sh- a cable company called QCTV.
1: All right, okay. okay? Uh,
0: and so I went and did some volunteer work there. And I also went over to the campus radio station, CJSR. And I will tell you this, the funny thing about this. I went in and did a volunteer year, and I worked on the hockey broadcasts uh, with uh, the play-by-play guy there. I'm trying to remember his name. Oh, Morley Scott. <laughs> Morley was doing play-by-play for the Goldenberry Games, and I just did the hosting and that kind of stuff. Morley went on to, uh, he took a different job doing Junior A hockey, and I moved into doing that that position yeah. for a year. And what you can learn on a bus coming back from Saskatoon, uh, from Claire Drake, yeah. who taught me so many great little hockey things I had never known. I, I, I just can't say enough about uh, the coach. I could never call him Claire. I never could call yeah. him Claire. But... Uh, I I had done the play by play and then they'd gotten into the playoffs and we had this one crazy, crazy game against the University of Manitoba, the Bisons. And the overtime, it went to a third and deciding game and the overtime game wasn't sudden death. So a guy named Von Carpen had scored for Manitoba and they had taken the lead and the Goldenberries came back and scored two goals in the last minute and a half to win and move on to the Nationals. And I was doing the game on the campus station back here and two guys were listening to the broadcast. One guy was named Rod Phillips, and the other guy was named Ken Brown, former oily goaltender that I'd watched as a kid at the gardens. And Brownie was kind enough to send me a letter encouraging me to continue to move ahead with my play-by-play career, and then I moved to Moose Jaw to do the Warrior broadcast in the Western Hockey League for yeah. four and a half years. So it just And then you just find your way up the food chain, you know.
1: That That's so valuable, though, Bryn. I, I'm glad you shared that story because i have I have found that, as I've moved through my career in life and now into middle age that if if you have the opportunity to say something positive to someone earlier in their life or career, just say it oh yeah it doesn't it doesn't mean you can't be critical or push them to improve, but I find that you know i I hope I'm like that to my younger colleagues here. You know, if they say, hey, I heard this, or, or I'll always say, well, you know what? I think you need to work on that. But I'll always try to say, that was really good. You, you, Did you hear that? Oh, that was good.
0: And I got to say, there was one other, and this is almost embarrassing because I still remember it at the Coliseum. <laughs> I, used to, I grew up watching Stampede Wrestling with Ed Whalen now there's going to be some of the audience is going to have no clue what I'm even talking
1: oh, I about I think most of the audience will okay have a clue well that. look it
0: up if you don't know <laughs> this is what I say at home to like the the young guys at home google it yeah anyway so uh Ed Whalen was doing the play-by-play for the Calgary uh Flames at the time and for some reason I had done this impression of Ed Whalen downstairs in the locker room and John Garrett was there and Cheech thought it was pretty funny. So he calls me over as they're on the ice practicing. He says, Brinster, come on over and do Ed for Ed. And I went, oh, my goodness. He's, what? So I had to go over and do my impression of Ed Whalen. That Ed sounds Whalen. like a nightmare. And Ed loved it. Anyway, but the, the thing that I still laugh about it was we had a really great chat afterwards. And one of the things he, he told me was treat everybody the same it doesn't matter if they're young he says he says young old whatever treat everybody the same and uh, and that way you can sleep at night and you'll feel good and not only will you feel good they'll feel great and so i, I always if if there were young uh, young broadcasters that were looking to get into Nate or said or mount royal or wherever they were looking bcit uh, and I got a call saying, listen, can, can we talk about the, the industry? I, I never had any trouble giving somebody a 20-minute gap in my day just to talk yep. about it to see where their heads were at because the next great broadcaster might be out there listening to us today.
1: Yeah, and just do it. I mean, It's it's hard. It's hard to break in. It's hard to think. For me, it was hard to think about maybe failing or not being good enough. But when I look back, it's like, well, just do it.
0: I also, I told you I was going to forget somebody. It just came to me. (laughs) John Short is another guy. Amazing. John Short is another guy in the evenings who did a talk show. I think he went 9 to midnight, and that's usually. Yeah,
1: and after Oilers games. Exactly,
0: and he did a little kids hour or whatever, and I'm sure I phoned into that once or twice and tried not to be too nervous, but John another great individual, another one of those legends in the market that you, you learn from. So always give people the time of day, and I'm with you. Okay. Positive, positive, positive.
1: And you know how radio works. we got to take a time out. Yes. Bryn Griffiths is here. He's going to tell some uh, stories from his days with the Oilers. Sure. He's going to ter- talk about some current projects he's working on and some uh, some challenges he's gone through recently yep. that he's fought very hard against. It's Inside Sports on 630 Jet. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins is brought to you by James H. Brown and Associates, Alberta injury lawyers. Go to jameshbrown.com. All right. Having fun tonight. Bryn Griffiths is in studio here at 630 Chet, a studio that he did not expect to be the studio. Which There's a dog side here. Me. Am I allowed to say that? Uh, yes, I do not bring my dog to work. Some people do. That's the. That's Daryl Mack. I think that's Daryl's dog because that. Cause that yeah. Well, that bed is big enough for several humans. He has a large dog. President <laughs> Escott has a little dog that's back around the corner in the uh, sports I like department. That. I like that. So you worked. What years were you with the orders? I I
0: joined up with them right after the surprising 1997 series victory over the Dallas Stars. Todd Marshawn, you know, everybody knows that one. And uh, they were looking for somebody because uh, in their public relations department was a lovely lady named Trish Kerr. She'd moved into a business side operation and they were looking for somebody. And I was doing a cable TV community show and the longtime PR director, Bill Twillie, was, was talking to his lovely bitter half, Sylvia, about I got to find somebody to fill in for Trish as he's flipping through the TV. Comes up on Channel 10, the community channel, and there I am doing an interview. He goes, there's my guy. right? Because I'd worked for the Winnipeg Jets for a year in 1991. I took a one-year contract because I just wanted to get to the bigs for fun. And they hired me to do color on the broadcast with Kurt Kielbach. But it was only a one-year deal. The radio rights changed hands. I lost my job to, of all people, Don Whitman. Oh, my goodness. No embarrassment there, losing out to Whit. (laughs) Anyway, so who calls me to come back? It's Halsey. You coming back to town. (laughs) And so I came back anyway. I got onto the community channel because I wanted to have some fun and do something a little different, and I got hired in '97 uh, by Bill, uh, and uh, it, it was a, it was a lot of fun right through until around 2001.
1: Okay, so I'll ask you this question. Yeah. And and me and I probably still don't even know the answer, even though now I'm in my tenth season covering the Oilers. But in your role doing media relations, how did you walk the line between? protecting i'll use the word protecting maybe you won't like that word how did you walk the line between protecting the players and accommodating the media and, and you know the fans by extension
0: i like the term riding shotgun okay is, is probably the <laughs> best way to, to to go at it uh you know back then though we it, things were much different I, I know that people get tired of hearing they oh the old guy saying it was different but it was you know we were lucky enough we had dougie waite who, by the way, should be one of the next people uh, to see his name on the ring because how he got a 100-point-plus season with the team that he had uh, is amazing to me. He was a great captain. Uh, Billy Guerin was also here, Cujo. So we had some guys with a little bit of cachet outside of the market, but they were great with the media. So all you had to do was uh, just, protect is a a pretty good word. you got to make sure that (laughs) <laughs> that at the end of the day that they're allowed to focus on playing the game. But when it's media time, you want to make sure that you are fair with everybody. That here's the big thing for me. And I told players this, if you don't think I'm being fair, tell me. And I also said the same thing to the media guys. I will do the best I can to get you some availability. Just I'm going to be as fair as I possibly can. And I think that my nature was I think I was able to do that. And so I never had a I never had a player complain ever. Uh, and we and had Smitty too, Ryan Smith was here, another guy great with the media. Never had a player ever once. I only had one occasion where I had a player. I, I, I will tell this tale out of, uh, <laughs> out of school because it was, a, it was a playoff series game and Yanni Ninema, who, uh, Yanni I loved, but he coughed up the puck to, oh, I can't remember who the Dallas star was. It was one of those- Was it Hoag? Thank you, Benoit Hoag. Score! Do you remember that goal? Well, wasn't that like the long overtime it, game it, it or was, the yes? Yeah, it it something, was. Yeah. So anyway, uh, uh, yeah, I can't believe I'm telling this one on the air. But Kellen, no, no so,
1: music so I, here. Let us go as long as Bryn needs. So,
0: so anyway, so uh, so the one guy who didn't want to talk to the media after the game was. Yanni, well, that's not how Glenn Sather worked. Glenn Sather was, you, you get him the hell out there and deal with the media and do it in a scrum one time only so he can at least explain his side of the story and then shut it down and then just move on. But couldn't find, could not find Yanni. I couldn't find him anywhere. And somebody said he was in the shower. And so it's one of those ones where, i I, I mean, I didn't want to have to do it, but I had to peek inside and there he is and he's just almost like... I said, Yanni, I gotta get you out here. And you know, there's some times where you just have to recognize that the media are an extension of the fan. They have to be, you can never, as a member of the media, you can never forget who you're representing down there. And that's the fan, we gotta do this. So he comes out dripping pretty much and puts himself in front of the cameras. I think we got a t-shirt on him or whatever, but uh, I think it's, you know, there's a time to protect the player, but there's also time where you gotta, hey, listen, if if there's a master screw up, you get you gotta you gotta face the music, man. Yeah. So that's the only time that I I felt where I, I was not prepared to protect a player, at all. I it was he just had to come out and, and face the music.
1: Did you cringe because I found it uncomfortable being in the room? Yeah. I and mean, this isn't a shot at the current guys because it was different last year because we couldn't have little asides. Yeah. Did that, you that's, cringe that's when you. the Leon Matheson thing happened with the pissy stuff? Yeah, uh,
0: <laughs> yeah, I did. I laughed, but I, and I cringed at the same time because the way thing one we were lucky to continue to play hockey through all of that. But the bringing guys in and having them way over there at the desk in front of microphones and having the media guys way back here, uh, there's it, it, it's just not the same. It, when you get an opportunity after a practice or after a game in what I would call more traditional. Circumstances where you could, uh, well, I went into the Orler locker room. uh, This would have been probably uh, maybe a few months ago. You get a chance to actually talk to a Connor or a, a Darnell nurse or a guy after they've done their scrums just quickly for a couple of seconds just to ask them whether or not they liked the way the story was reported or would you have done anything different? And I do know that Connor and Mark Spector. And their situation solved their their little get-together. I, I believe that, uh, funny how Speck, another guy that I, I went to uh, school with at uh, CJSR along with Morley, uh, I know that Speck and Leon kind of figured it out a little bit as well. But that whole situation was just, uh, it was a disaster. And it had nothing to do with the PR department. I don't really feel it had anything to do with the media. And I don't think it had anything to do with the players. It was circumstantial. And I watched all that Stuff going on there for that whole year, and I just would cring- it was cringeworthy to watch it and listen to it because it, it just you you just couldn't feel you need to have there's got to be a relationship in some way, you're not palling around and going for beers with players. But it's nice to be able to talk to a guy after a scrum and just ask him a couple more questions to make sure that you both understand where you're coming from.
1: Bryn Griffiths is in studio for another half hour, it's inside sports on Chad.